found life in his hands. Hallelujah. Life in his hands. When you place something in the hands of Almighty God, they're in good hands. Turn to your neighbor and say, when God's got it, it's in good hands. It's in good hands. When you place your life in the hands of the one who created all things, the eternal God, they're in safe hands. Hallelujah. They're in good hands. Our lives are in safe hands. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's hands are safe hands. I want to remind you of that great text from Matthew's Gospel 11, chapter 11, verse 28, that Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And you know, as I travel throughout this nation, I've discovered something. There are an awful lot of weary people out there. There are an awful lot of burdened people out there. Not only uh, those that don't know God, but too many Christians not allowing God to lift the burden. Not allowing God to take the strain. Not allowing God to hold every part of their life in His hand. And I believe I'm not only preaching tonight to those who don't know God, who've never yet come to saving faith, but also to the believers in this place where they need to come and say, Lord, I'm weary, I'm burdened, and I want to place the whole of my life in the hands of the living God. I remember when that happened in my heart. And I want to tell you, friend, that is one of the greatest keys I could deliver into your heart today. That when you place your life in the hands of the living God, He will willingly take it. And if you put life in His hands, I want to tell you, you are safe and secure. And that's one of the greatest keys to walking with God. Many, many people have made a surface decision, maybe had a surface religious experience, may even put your hand up in a meeting or responded at the front. But life in the hands of God every day is the key to knowing what it means to live the Christian life. Ask your neighbor friend, is your life in the hands of God? Well, that was a great lot of Irish confidence there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know, I believe God gives us a personal invitation. Isn't that awesome? Yes, He does. We can't escape it. God gives us a personal invitation to every one of us to move towards Him in our heart. You know, I am in a place with God where I can't actually get my head round and understand why any person would reject Jesus. I don't understand that. I don't understand why any person would say no to the greatest gift. Because of that tree I was singing about. I cannot even fathom it out one bit. Why any person would say no to the love that God has for them. Oh, how we need it in our hearts. How we need it in our families. How we need it in our homes. How we need it for our children and our young people. And how we need it in our finances. And how we need it in our government. And how we need it in our nation. But I want to tell you, friend, it all starts with that one individual saying yes, Lord, I want to put my life in the hands of the living God. I want to experience an eternal change in my life forever. 
I don't just want to put a plaster on and cover over the wounds of life, but I want to know an eternal change in my heart forever. Something that will last forever can only be achieved by the eternal God. You can never through your striving and your struggling try to improve your world and your life because the Bible says unless God makes the change, we've made no change at all. And I remember the feeling when God began to deal with me as a man and exposed to me and showed to me the, the nonsense that was in my life. Yes, religious nonsense. Yes, my own bombastic arrogance and my own ways of life that I thought were good. And I remember the day that when God said to me, son, when you come to the end of all your own achievements, when you come to the end of all your own ability, then I can move into your life. If you, my son, will only put your life in the hands of the living God, he will willingly take it and he will use you in a way that will amaze you and astound you. My God is a good God. And somebody needs to hear that tonight. Somebody needs to hear that because of what you're facing and because of what you're going through. Somebody needs to hear that because of your past and your broken heart. Somebody needs to hear that because of the destruction that you suffered in your family. Somebody needs to hear that because you are far away from God, that my God is a good God and he longs for you to put the whole of yourself and the whole of your life in his hands. Somebody say a Pentecostal hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God amazing? Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you'll never fall asleep in this meeting. You know, friends, I have got absolutely no doubt in my mind that if you make a decision of faith tonight, God will not disappoint you. God will not let you down. You say, I don't feel what you feel, Pastor. I don't understand it. I'm in a new climate. I've never been in this type of environment. Listen, you are a sensible person. God made you with feelings. God made with you and gave you an ability to understand. God is moving upon you by His Spirit and His love. And when you are hearing something awesome out the mouth of a man, you know that you are hearing the voice of God. And the truth and reality of his friend, if you've come in here and you're not sensing God and you're not sensing the stirring of the Spirit of God as a man of God mounts the pulpit and preaches the Word of God, you've got a serious spiritual problem. And I believe tonight, my friend, if you will take your step of faith and put your life in the hands of the one who will hold it forever. Hallelujah. Hold it forever. I'm not asking you about your theology. Sorry. Theology will never get you into the kingdom of God. I'm not asking if you know even the stories in this book that you learned when you were a little child. I'm not asking if you know more of the vocabulary and the understanding of this from the Greek and the Hebrew and you could oh, fathom all mysteries and understand all things. Big doctrines and big views. I'm asking you if you know the author. Because I've discovered something. I rub shoulders with an awful lot of people. And I've discovered something. There are some people who know an awful lot of religious facts. 
And there are some people who have been bent by the power of the Spirit of God in their life, and they have discovered Jesus, and they found out that God is real, and they've placed their life in the hands of Almighty God, and they've learned that life truly can be changed for the better forever by letting go. Hallelujah. If you think you need to be in control or in charge, it's a great release. <laughs> it's a great release when you just let go and say, Lord, here is my life. Here is my heart. Take hold of me. You know, the Bible presents the image of God with his hands stretched out wide. And there is no place that he would not come to find you like the lost sheep. He's close to you. Just pause a moment, friend. In the middle of this message, just pause a moment and realize something. That right where you are sitting on your seat, God, by the power of His Spirit, is really next to you. He's really close to you. We're not talking about anything weird, spirits. But we're talking about the tender, gentle Spirit of God. And he will never push his way into your life. He will never persuade you. He will never convince you unless your heart is open to him and ready to receive. And so he longs for us to come to him. Let me bring up this great verse on the screen behind. Isaiah 65 verse 2 says, All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who live in ways not good pursuing their own imaginations. Would you like to ask your neighbor a question? Would you like to ask them this? Are you obstinate? <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> we are at times, aren't we? We are at times. The sound man's not watching. He's lost in wonder, love and praise. This wonderful verse presents God holding out his hands in a gesture of mercy. Let me share with you, friend, yes, that is an accurate revelation of exactly what these words are saying. I have studied. This is God holding out his hands in a loving, gracious gesture of mercy. This verse actually tells us that God is longing for us to come to him. And how incredible it is that we have been given a free will. And that's partly why I can't understand why anybody would reject Jesus and the love that he offers us. Because we were created with that free will. And that ability to make good choices and decisions. You were designed by God to be in relationship with Him. But you were also designed to be dependent upon Him. And when we choose to live life our own way, then we make a mess 
and we go wrong. But thanks be to God, there's a way back. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. There's a way back tonight, isn't there? There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that all may go in. At Calvary's cross is where we begin when we come as a sinner to Jesus. That's the only way to come to the arms that are held open wide for each one of us. The Bible tells us that unless we return to God, we will be separate from Him in eternity. Why run away from His grace? Why run away from His love? There is, seems to be a natural bias within us because of our sin and our mess to run away from God. And we have to take a step of faith and dictate to our spirit and dictate to our mind because we have heard the word of God. I will no longer live in this direction, running away from God. I will repent of my sin and I will turn around and I'll run towards him. And the moment you begin to turn, standing right in front of you, although you cannot see it with the human eye, is the same Lord that hung upon the perfect tree 2,000 years ago. And if you make your move towards him, you will discover that his arms are open wide and he's ready with his mercy and his love. Hallelujah. And that very decision of turning from life without God, acknowledging my mess, acknowledging my need, and confessing faith in Christ is enough to save me from eternal separation from God and begin, allow me to begin the great life that God has for me. I want to very quickly ask three questions. Turn to your neighbor and say, this pastor's going to try and preach short tonight. By the way, if you've got any ideas about how short is, that was my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> but these points are short. What do points make? No, disqualifications. <laughs> Glory. So look, the first question I want us to ask tonight is, what needs to happen when we respond to the Lord's invitation? What truly needs to happen when we respond to the Lord's invitation? Firstly, Paul, we're leaping on. We come just as we are. We come just as we are. Suit or jeans, it matters not. Shirt or tie or overalls. God does not look at the outside, but the inside. You see, these are my overalls. But God doesn't see that. He sees the heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, so how's your heart doing? God sees the heart. Some would say, well, not so good, really. And I'm not talking about how well the blood is flowing or whether you've had a stent to open it up and give you a bit more room. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about you, the center of your being. I'm talking about whether your heart is broken, healed. I'm talking about your mind, whether your mind is whole, or whether you're tormented, whether you're in strife or struggling, 
Whether you're in doubt, fear, anxiety, I'm talking about you. And thanks be to God, when we come just as we are, oh yes, we come humbly. We come humbly. I said this morning when we enter the presence of the Queen, we are told what to see, what to wear, and what to do. And when we enter the presence of the King of glory, which is right where you are tonight, He tells us exactly what to do. Humble yourselves before God, and He will raise you up. So we come just as we are. Secondly, we recognize our need. You know, I'm often saying, you've heard me say, I've, I've literally asked thousands of people if you've ever done anything that was wrong. Nobody has ever said no. The Bible calls that sin. But I think we need a deep revelation of just how horrendous our sin and our need is. When you think about what Jesus went through, it stresses home the cost of saving us was enormous. Enormous. It cost Jesus his very life that he laid down for us. And so the cost is great. The mess is great. But the saving grace is bigger. Hallelujah. So we recognize our need. Then we confess our sin and we ask for forgiveness and cleansing from every sin. Have you done that, friend? I'm not talking about a surface wishy-washy prayer. I'm talking about someone coming into the presence of God and saying, God, I am here. Will you save me? Will you move in my life as I turn from sin and acknowledge Jesus? And I acknowledge, Lord, you paid the price for my sin. You died upon the cross, rose again from the dead. Now, oh God, will you come into my life by your eternal power and save me and bring your eternal change in my life. I'm talking about that experience of God. And we recognize what he has done for us. We recognize what he's done for us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left the glory of the Father to come to be your Savior and your Lord. He had a crown of thorns put upon his head so that he could put on your head the crown of life. What an amazing Savior we really have. But I thank God. Bible says on the third day he rose again. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say on the third day he rose again. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? You know, one of the things I think about, and if you don't mind me saying, I hope this doesn't offend you from a guy from England, but you folks over here are so churched. You are. I mean, you are so churched. You know it. But perhaps too familiar. When was the last time you encountered God in your life by the power of His love and the power of His Spirit? I'm not talking about being in church from 10.30 till 12. 
I'm not talking about getting your suit out of the mothballs in the wardrobe and walking down to that big building that is very historic. With all your family connections, I'm talking about when was the last moment when you got up from your seat as a result of hearing from God and took a move of faith and stood at the front of a church and said, God, I'm here and I'm in need of you. I need to know your mercy. I need to know your cleansing. I need to know your forgiveness. And I need you in my life. When was the last time you did that? Do you know why I love talking about coming to the front of the church? I just love being public about Jesus. I do. I love being public. You say, oh, pastor, you shouldn't be public about your religion. Don't talk about politics and religion. No, let's talk about it. Because we have a serious need. I love it. And I think there is a point of victory that comes into someone's life. When they say, Lord, I am hiding nothing. See, I think when we want to be secret disciples, it's because we've still got secrets. But when there is openness and transparency and I say, Lord, I'm with you. I am with you 100% as my Savior and my Lord. And I publicly stand up and I move out from where I am and I stand at the front of this, your house, and I say, Lord, I want to put my life in your hands from this moment on. When we go public, I find we mean it. I'm not saying God can't meet you in your home and God can't meet you in your room, but I just love it when we see men and women, young people and boys and girls, saying, yes, Lord, and I'm willing for anybody to know. I remember when I was 13 years old, and this will tell you a story. I'd already started preaching on the beach in the open air at the age of 13. We would put up a big platform, me and the young folks, and we were cutting our teeth. <laughs> And we'd put up a big platform with wood and we'd put up scaffolding poles with some of the guys that come and help us to do it with big letters across the top. Jesus is the saviour. We had the band on and the music, so I'm playing keyboards, guitars, everything, singing, preaching and preaching and preaching. How awesome. Wonderful. That's all right. <clears throat> then you have to go to school. You have to go to school. <clears throat> and my nickname at school was Jesus. <laughs> All right, Jesus. Every other word. Down the corridors, we went from one room to another. All right, Jesus. How's it going, Jesus? Still preaching, Jesus? Do you know what? With great pride in my heart. Even at that stage, I'd shrug my shoulders back and I'd say, yeah, and I'm going to keep preaching and all. And I'm 53, and guess what? I'm still preaching. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. We've got the greatest news in the world. The greatest news in the world. And as you come into this church building tonight, 
You've come to hear good news. Hallelujah. The best news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Hallelujah. My life was changed as a young man. And so I confessed Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And I've been emphasizing that wonderful text, haven't I? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He is risen from the dead, you shall be saved. That's God's way of coming to Him. That's God's way of coming to Him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed that prayer that can save your life, save your soul? We're at the second question, but the third one's really short. Here's the second question. How do I put my life in the hands of God? How do I do that? Friend, do you know what you do? You come towards Him in your heart. I know we talk about a physical move and that's so right, but I tell you also there's no point in coming and making a physical move unless you're not coming, if you're not coming towards him in your heart and in your life. So we no longer resist him. I spoke this morning about Terry, who is 62 years old and he only has probably a couple of weeks to live, but he is totally resisting the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I spoke about Sam and Nicola, young women who went to be with the Lord early in their life. They were ready. And the ripple effect upon their life meant that at least 17 people came to Jesus because of their testimony and their witness of those two women. And the ripples go on. Amazing. And so I come. And instead of resisting him, I submit to him. This is what 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says. Humble yourselves. There's the key. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them straight out from your mouth, God cares for you. Shall we all do that? God cares for you. So when we bring our lives under the, His hand, we submit to Him. We take a step of faith. We choose to trust Him. We choose to respond. You make a decision and you choose to respond. I choose to submit my life into the hands of God. What a release it brings. Hallelujah. What a release it brings when you put your life in His hands. All it takes is a prayer. Lord, here I am. Take my life as I surrender it to you. Do you know the very term, the hand of God, that I'm referring to here? It actually means and speaks of God's eternal purpose and God's eternal power. So the moment you put your life in the hand of God, those two things will begin to work. God's eternal purpose and God's eternal power will begin to flow in your life. That's why just improving your life will never get that aspect of God's work moving in your life. Only by submitting to Him 
and placing your life totally in his hands will those two dimensions of God's work begin in you, his eternal purpose and his eternal power. So we come, we humble ourselves, we come towards the one who has open hands, hands that were marked with nails. Remember Thomas? Always feel sorry for Thomas, don't you? Because ever since this happened, we refer to him as Doubting Thomas. Don't you think we've got a doubt in Peter sometimes? And a doubt in Samantha? And a doubt in Joan? And a doubt in John? Poor Thomas. But you know, Jesus loved Thomas so much, he came and he said to him, Yes, son, you put your finger in the nail prints in my hand and believe. And then Jesus said these words, Blessed are you, because having seen, you have believed. But blessed are those who having not seen, and yet still believe. I've never seen the physical nail prints of the hands of Jesus. I've never seen his wounded side. But I know him, and I walk with him, and he walks with me. And my life is in his hands. What a great place to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to tell you, friend, you may say, are you sure, Pastor Paul? Let me tell you, at the age of 26, I was on target to be a multimillionaire by the time I was in my 40s. I come from a very sharp business background. But I tell you, the treasure that I have in my life, because we sold everything, the treasure that I have in my life cannot be compared with anything. He is absolutely everything to me. If I am never, if I was not conscious of the presence of God with me, I would be desperate. I don't understand how anybody cannot want to be conscious of God and place their life in his hands. I was a young boy when I discovered the power of God really works. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, the power of God really works. And I want to tell you, his hands are mighty hands. Hands that can hold you through every storm and circumstances you face in your life. Hallelujah. And my third and final question is, can I be sure he will accept me? Oh, he'll accept you. Yes, you can. Acts 10.34 says, God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Would you like to open your Bible with me? I want to read some verses from John's Gospel. And they are absolutely awesome verses. 
And we're just going to move towards a close as we read these verses and I make some final comments. And as we move towards the end of this message tonight, I'm going to ask you if you will get out of your seat and make a public stand and say, Jesus, I really want to place my life totally in your hands. So prepare your heart to take that step of faith, whether you are a non-Christian yet, you've never received Christ, or you are following Jesus, the decision to say, yes, Lord, I place my life fully in your hands from this moment on. That's the cry and the call of God for this meeting tonight. Let me read this for you. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. He's talking about people. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given to me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that with every ounce of my being. And I know that what God has said in his word is accurate and absolutely true. He who comes to me will never go hungry and will never be thirsty. And of course, he's not talking about quenching your thirst. He's talking about your spiritual longing and the emptiness of your soul. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. The vocabulary there presents the image of a farmer. And I'm not a farmer. Of the farmer who takes something to drive and goad, to drive the cattle in a specific direction. Jesus said, if you come to me, I will never drive you away. But you will find he is standing there with open arms, ready to receive you. And I love this because Jesus then finally says, I will lose none of all that the Father has given to me, but will raise them up at the last day. Friends, let's ask those questions. What needs to happen when we respond to the Lord's invitation? We come exactly as we are. Warts as well. Come as you are. You don't need to make some personal improvement. 
come as you are. How do I put my life in his hands? I come towards him in faith. And perhaps tonight we can make the front of this building a place, a point of contact where we can say from the depth of our hearts, Lord, I am coming towards you. And I guarantee you, because of what Jesus has said, his arms are open wide, hands are open wide, ready to receive you. Can I be sure he will accept me? He has promised never to drive you away. Life in his hands or in your hands. Life, whose hands is your life really in? Have you made your confession of faith and come towards the Lord? Or are you rejecting Him? If we say not yet, it's a rejection. I think I've told you the story before. When I was preaching in London, I was in my early 20s. And a young lady in the congregation made a decision for Jesus. She was 18 years old. She came right to the front and stood right in front of the place where I was preaching. And to me, in my mind, she came far too early because I hadn't finished. <laughs> I hadn't even made an appeal. And this young lady got up from her seat, tears rolling down her face. You know, we lack such confidence. We shouldn't be uh, fearful about coming towards God. And this young lady got up from her seat and I was there and she stood there and she was stood breaking her heart. And I want to tell you, I was so moved, I stopped preaching. <laughs> I made an appeal. <laughs> I want to tell you, I was only a guest there. My dear friend, Michael Carr, from London. He rang me the following morning. He said, Paul, are you free to do a hospital visit with me before we go? I said, certainly. He picked me up and on the way he explained to me that that young lady had a bleed that very night and was on a life support machine in ICU. We went in and we prayed. Now don't look at me thinking you should have been at a razor from the dead. Because believe you me, there have been times when I've been into ICU and they're just about to switch the machine off. And myself and Pastor Jim Dick went into Bristol ICU and this was only less than a year ago. A man had hung himself and his family said, would we go? He'd rejected Jesus. We said, we'll be proud to go. His wife was a beautiful Christian lady. When we got there, they wouldn't let us in. We explained who we were. And for the first time in my life, I took out my ministerial credential because although I'm this sort of character, I'm ordained. Everybody go, ooh. 
of God. <laughs> no, I am. I took out my credential, ministerial credential. She says, I'll let you in, but don't be long. We stood at the side, the bedside of that man, and they told us we're going to turn the machine off tonight. We stood at the bedside of that man. I want to say this to you. Jim and I prayed the simplest prayer we could ever pray. And we committed him to the grace of God. And we asked God to touch him, get through to him, and heal him. <laughs> Within one hour, I received a phone call from his wife saying he's sitting up in bed having a meal. That's the power of God. But let me tell you, on this occasion, and we can't answer every question why, on this occasion with that young lady, that never happened. But I left that time of ministry in London with joy in my heart, sorrow, yes, but so thankful to God that that young lady had had the courage and been stirred and moved by God in her spirit to the point where she was unashamed and not embarrassed to get up from her seat and stand at the front of a church in front of many others and say, I need Jesus. That decision changed the whole of her destination forever. Life can change for the better forever, but only because of the touch of God's eternal life in your heart and in your soul. Only because we can take the step of faith, take God at his word, and move towards him, whose hands are open wide and ready to receive Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friend, God is here. God is here. Maybe even in these moments, you would say, Pastor Paul, I've never made that type of decision, and I know I need to. Would you do something for me? Would you stand to your feet and even come out? Say, Pastor Paul, I want this to be my night when I place my life in his hands. Would you do that right now? Come on, sir. Come on, my love. Somebody else. Come on. You take your step now, and your eternity can change forever. Come and join my friends. God bless you, sir. Awesome. God bless you. Why don't you come? These have been very courageous people. Take your step. If you were to die tonight, where would you be? Well done, son. That's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Anybody else? Come on, we should keep coming. 
if you've never made a decision for Jesus, would you come right now? Just get up from where you are. Come on, friend. Don't let me have to beg and plead. If you have never, ever made a decision of faith, get up from where you are, regardless of age and stage. Get up and stand and come out from where you are and say, from this night, I place my life in the hands of Almighty God. I wait a little longer. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. Now let me ask you, well done, sir. Fantastic. I'm proud of you. So, so proud of you. Come and stand with me. Awesome. Anybody else? Absolutely fantastic. What a great decision to make. Wonderful, Jesus. You know, this is normal for us. <laughs> it's supernatural what's happening, but it's absolutely normal for us. It really is. Now, maybe, Christian, you're backslidden. Young man in this church came to me. He said, Pastor Paul, your weekend, the timing of God you've been here is absolutely so right on time. I've been far away from God and I'm coming home. Hallelujah. Great decision. Great decision. Maybe you would say, yeah, actually, if I'm really honest, I sing all the songs, I put my hands up and I do everything. But actually, I feel far away from God and I want to press in, move towards Him. Would you like to join our friends? If that's where you are, you would say, actually, Pastor. There's no shame in that because I want to tell you we all have times when we say, I'm not where I should be and I want to press further in to Jesus. Would you like to come? Just stand in front of this church. Say, Father, I'm coming close to you again. Let me wait a moment and give you time to come. Hallelujah.